So that was one that was in Clayton County. And I can honestly say in Clayton County, the judge fought for me as much as he could, according to what the law was. However, at the time, the district attorney was one of our former classmates, mine's mm. and his. Mm. That's and, a big com- uh, conflict of interest if he, you know what I'm saying, ruled against you or whatever. Right. And at that time, I wasn't educated enough to know that I should have notified someone. Mm. And I did. And I did it. And at that time, he only got 10 years probation. Um, He had to abide by the rules of a sex offender, but he did not have to register. So I'm angry now. I'm real angry now. So um, to back move a little forward she was 15 but what i left out is she didn't get to go to court until we was she was 17 so we didn't deal with this until she was 17 so now that she's 17 they telling me as the mom i can't speak for her anymore she's an adult my argument was she was an adult when it happened right right so with that being said i wanted it to go to trial she was 17 she had to speak for herself she did not want to take him to trial because at the time she was like mom that's still my dad i don't want him punished Mm. so here i am molested again um that was something i truly did not understand um i still don't understand it to this day Cause my dad didn't violate me, so I don't understand it. But nor do I judge my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to live by what the word says: trust in the Lord, lean not unto your own understanding. So, according, so she had to go forward, and her moving forward was was to accept his plea of guilty with those conditions. excuse me and he not go to trial so that's what happened so that's what he got a slap on the wrist so at this time I'm gonna fight by myself I'm gonna fight outside of her I don't care Mm -hmm. so I um went to school I leveled up with some books went to school got some degrees real fast real quick couple of years go by and I marketed myself where I can be a probation officer because at this time I'm going to get you one way or another. I'm going to get you. Mm-hmm. I, I ain't going to do nothing illegal but I'm going to watch you. So became a probation officer and I had the tools to monitor him. And, um, which I did, I would check his cases. I would check his case notes every day, every day. Everything was in there was a lie. 
wasn't the truth wasn't the truth the officer wasn't doing what they were supposed to they wasn't seeing him like they were supposed to they um they wasn't doing what they were supposed to which i learned very quickly working there myself um the state just want to say they're doing something but not doing anything because we had these ridiculous caseloads mm-hmm. that it was impossible for you to super successfully supervise for sure. so not blaming it on the officer just i get the state it itself i could see it myself right but since i see it myself i'm gonna help you out i'm gonna call you and tell you you need to ask for this you need to ask for this you need to do this you need to do that so i started making anonymous phone calls you need to ask for a check stub because he's i know he's not working you need to pop up at the house at this time because he don't live there he's clearly violated this order um and i would look in the notes sometimes they would do it sometimes they would not So one day I started getting real agitated because I started seeing things in the notes that are just real obvious, not out of order. And I confided in one of my coworkers, um, my daughter's situation and who my ex-husband was. And lo and behold, she went and told somebody else and it got back to my chief. And I was, um, removed from that from that department and moved to another department Mm. so i'm like okay that's whatever so um eventually i ended up leaving there and going to another division of probation anyways so i would call more frequently i still had people that worked there that would you know check it out for me just to not doing anything illegal just check his case notes and tell me what they say um because i knew everything that he had said i knew he didn't live with his mom i knew he didn't work i mean all of this stuff was just real obvious if you was just simply doing your job you would have figured it out too to make a long story short um years went by so my daughter's 27 to this today and remember she had a case in Fullerton County as well we just went to court last year for that case Mm. so here we are we have moved on with our lives and tried to get closure and was on a good little path till we get a phone call oops we found your case and it was already indicted so it has no statute of limitations wow we want to prosecute are y'all willing to come so remind you the last time my daughter was like Mm-mm. so i went to her told her what was going on but now she's older and she said mom I get it now. He needs to go to jail. He he did wrong. Right. Right. And so I'm like, thank you, Jesus. So I let them know she was on board. We would come in, speak to them, which we did. So it was a while ago. I don't know if you guys would even remember that it was some um, 
stuff going on in Fulton County courts where they had to fire, I think, a judge, um, case managers because files were hidden in the closet. And when they were terminated, they found all these files that was hidden in the closet that they hid because they didn't want to do the work. So one of those files was my daughter's. Mm. That's why it had went so many years not being touched. So I'm just like, look at God. Look at God. So I'm like, okay, we finna get some justice now. These folks been sleep. We finna do this now. Go to court. Well, we didn't even get, we went, spoke to the DA, uh, went over everything. We got a case. We're gonna get him for this. We're gonna get him for this, 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 this. So we got y'all on call for court. So I get a phone call one day. Well, we went on and made a plea. Here it go again. Because he had money to get an attorney, once again, a private attorney, he gets the option to make pleas. So, <clears throat> I'm like, well, y'all... And he's still on probation at, at this point, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I said, um, y'all didn't even call me and my daughter to come to court to even speak, to say, well, we didn't need y'all to because we know it's a hardship. Okay, but this is a hardship. We, we're ready now. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, we took his plea. And because of the law, he go back to this crazy law again. Because of the law, he could not get more time for this charge than he got for the first one. So he was slapped on the wrist again to get. Now this time he got five years probation. He does have to register as a sex offender this time. So I'm like my telling my daughter, I know what this is like. I supervise cases like this. This ain't no cakewalk. This hard. This yeah. is really hard for you to be a pedophile and have to register for it as a sex offender. He not gonna make it. Okay, so I said, but we're going to move on with our life. Now we got closure. This is what it is. We're moving on. Um, so now she's saying, well, mom, I'm ready to go to counseling. All this time, I was ordered to counseling. She was ordered to counseling. But because she was a teenager, they can go to group. But you're removed out of group when you become 18. Mm-hmm. So she went to group from 15 to 18 group help and it didn't help because in group you're not forced to speak you're not forced to really deal with anything so she would go to group every week but she would sit back and don't say anything so she really did not get her full healing so I took her to counseling individual and she was like mama I'm never going back. And I'm like, why? She said, because it hurts too bad. Mm. Mm. So I'm just like, okay. Um, so I'm just like, well, I'll just continue to minister to her and talk to her. Eventually she'll go. Still to this day, she has not went back. <clears throat> um, so 
And when and when was and how many or what was how long has it been since she's the the first time she went? And she was eighteen when she oh oh when she went to counsel the individual. No, she was like twenty one. And now she's twenty seven. Yes. So, and this and with her, she's not even willing to tell her story right now. However. She knows what say something is. She knows what a now a foundation is because she helped me deliver that baby. So she supports me. Anytime I speak, she will come, but she's not going to speak. But she supports me um, the way that she's able to right now. And I appreciate that. Right. But anytime I, think- I- Mm-hmm. I, I think when you're done working, she's going to pick it up because it sounds like the same story. Yes. So with me going through counseling for her, I was forced to relive my past, which revealed to me that I was sexually abused from the age of six mm. to the age of 13 by my stepbrother so my mom died of breast cancer when I was six and my dad had moved on with his life and when she passed he came back and he um, raised me and my three sisters however he brought his new family with him and his girlfriend had a son I can't quite remember his age at this time, um, but she had a son, so they came to live with us. So one of my things I always like to bring to fruition is that when we are blending families, it's very common for the couple to go through counseling, but we don't get the the kids counseling because though fiancés, learn their place that you all are fiancés right now but you're going to be husband and wife so moving into that role you're supposed to be the provider you're supposed to be the helpmate we're supposed to work together as a team because we're a team but nobody sit the kids down to say you're going to be the big brother you're going to be the little sister or you're going to be the big sister you're going to be the little brother and then you're going to have this cousin you have nobody explains their role to them all we do is put everybody in one house and think it's supposed to function right true facts and we leave the older sibling to take care of the younger sibling when the parents want to go out and have date night. And there's nothing wrong with nurturing your relationship, don't get me wrong, but the children need to be left supervised. Yeah. So I was always left at home with my stepbrother who made me do things to him every night. And how old was he? Um, I remember I was six. I want to say I can't quite remember our age difference, but I want to say maybe he probably was in middle school, maybe, or or maybe ninth grade. Okay. Yeah, he was much older than me. Well, love, I <clears throat> just want to say that 
it is definitely a testament of your strength to be able to share your story and to be able to share your daughter's story and to to mold that to be something that is positive and where you're able to nurture these relationships with other people right because you know i always um tell people it's based off your resilience how much you can handle but to take something that is a negative situation and to to make it into a positive you know i just want to commend you i know you don't want to say accolades but that's just you have to call it what it is that's awesome that you were able to even do that you know because somebody could have let that consume their life and you know you know i don't know you know where you are you know as far as counseling or that's not something we have to bring up but you know even when people have traumatic things happen they could fall in and out of depression just talking about it you know but i think that i just wanted to commend you on the strength that you've illustrated here and publicly and other platforms just to be able to share your story and give it a platform to other people just to say something as you said right because this right here can encourage somebody else to come out and start the journey from where you started you know or tell or want their story to be heard so they don't go through what they've been through you know i remember you know i um you know me and whitney we talk about it often i'll be like you know like since i was in a third grade like i have never met a girl that has not been sexually molested you know what i'm saying you know me and you gotta have that conversation one day you know what i'm saying you know about that right. like, it's 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 deep and i was like wow i was third grade third grade you right. know what i'm saying and mm-hmm. i didn't even and i didn't really know what it was but i remember the day i remember the girl i remember her name the, the, the person how she told me you know it was deep it was deep and since then i have never not known anybody you know and it is it's we have made it so common to not say anything and that's one of the things that I want to change every time I speak I want to give my daughter strength to keep pushing forward yeah but it's I mean it's it's and it's such a bad um, stigma that's out there that when a female or a male come forward that they're lying yeah i wanted to say that like it's it's also happening to to men as well as well exactly so it is you know and we are supposed to be a place um where we are supposed to sympathize you know with people and their situation and it has happened to too many people for us to be still so judgmental when people come forward you know and people don't realize immediately whenever I hear someone speak about their experience the spirit will come to me immediately and be like wow you know and I go to praising God because I'm grateful for their strength at that moment. 
but then immediately after that you have to hear people say she lying that makes me angry right because people don't know how hard it is to say something right it's 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 very hard it's it's very hard I have a niece that flew here um I have to be mindful okay um well I have a niece that's struggling with the same thing and I'm working with her now but I am leaning more towards we have to find peace within ourselves peace doesn't always mean attacking or confronting the predator they're never going to have peace but we have to have peace so that we can continue to help people who know truly what we've been through. So I'm moving forward with helping survivors have peace in a healthy way. Mm. Because it doesn't entail confronting anyone or even revealing it to anyone. Because when you reveal it, you have to put on some thick skin afterwards. And what people don't understand, it can take some people back into that traumatic state. Right. Right. So. And and something you said earlier, you know, when you was like, uh, it was it was about family and child abuse. Uh, oh yeah, uh, as far as your daughter and her father, like the tactics are the same, you know, whether it's a father or a stranger. You know, when you was talking about right. it, as far as mm-hmm. I'm gonna buy you some Jordans, I'm gonna get you a new phone, and right. you know, mm-hmm. they were the same uh-huh. tactics. Or, same or tactics. even, or even someone who might abuse their power. So, you know, for your daughter, that was her dad so she should have been able to trust her dad you know right there are situations where if it might be someone that you look up to as a a a figure of confiding or a teacher or a preacher or whoever and you look to them to be able to to be a protector and they abuse that power and use your vulnerability against you and now you're in a situation where they are manipulating and abusing you. Right. 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 And then to know nobody's going to believe me. Right. So at the point of the beginning, when, when, when she sent you the letter and you thought she was lying, like, did that like trigger your past at all? Nope. Because I is honestly, when a person suffers from post traumatic PTSD, yeah, stress, yeah. When I say it goes null and void, it, it goes mm-hmm. null and void. Those suppressed memories, exactly. When I say because... they suppress, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's if, and I don't even know, it's weird, like, like some of the actual. Um, circumstances during my 
molestation, I can recall some of it. And I honestly now know some of it I can't regurgitate because I don't I don't want to. And another question like now that you know when everything did start flooding back to you about your past experience when you look back at your life do you think you you did anything or do you think you lived a certain way to try and protect your daughter from it or you know like anything Mm-mm. like no it's it was- the thing of it is I I was just raised in an old school um manner my dad was real old school he was military real old school just I couldn't spend the night at people's house but I could have company at mine's right that's um, how I was raised my dad when he got up everybody had to sleep with their door their door closed you couldn't lay in your bed or lay on your bed and your door was wide open that was inappropriate. That was almost. I could be like kids now that you may walk by their room and they're laying on their bed <clears throat> watching TV. My daddy would turn the house upside down. That was almost as if he walked in your room and you was butt naked. That was inappropriate. When we woke up, made up our bed, you had to watch TV on the fr- on the floor, or if you had, if you was uh, privileged to have a chair in your room, right. Or you had to look at it in the living room. When you lay in your bed, you was dressed in pajamas and your door was closed. When my daddy got up in the morning, if it was a Saturday morning for breakfast, he had, he was up, he had showered and he was fully dressed. He made him have shoes on, but he had on socks mm-hmm. and a full outfit. That's just how we uh, were brought up. So, it's like with my daughter, I didn't um, do anything in particular because I never experienced anything out of the ordinary. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. And I thought now what the only thing I did my dad say in practices where she couldn't spend the night all at people's house. They had to come to my house. My house was the the kids playhouse because I felt like if you was in my house I could control what was being done so she was known to have these big elaborate birthday parties when I say elaborate she may have a birthday party at the skating ring but all the girls can come spend a night I'm talking Mm -hmm. about like that not but she was known that okay when she have her birthday party we gonna it's gonna be a weekend thing and we can go spend a night so I, I allowed her that for her birthday or either every other weekend one of her friends could come over and spend the night and what I knew that a father did was protect their child so I didn't find it out of the ordinary for her to be going to spend the night with her dad and then another thing and I'm gonna move to where I may be um a little judgmental but I'm human y'all so her dad wasn't if you see me you'll say okay she was married to a man that wore suit or wore slacks her dad was a true thug mm-hmm. that's what I was attracted to you know it's a saying good girls like bad boys mm-hmm. 
Um, so that's who he was. I said that to say when this happened to me, it was so out of the norm because this is not from what I know and where I come from. This is not the norm behavior for a thug. Right. They go, they go get money, they get straightened. So he was the dad I thought that if something like this did happen to my daughter, he may not pay no child support and do nothing else, but baby, he gonna go get some straightening. Right. So and he I was, one needed a straightening. Right. So I was taken way, 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 way back, like real confused. I'm talking about the one you see on the street, you know, back in the day with the gold teeth, the tattoos everywhere, you know, yeah, that type of man. So I was, I was just like, huh? Confused. Where did this but, come know, it from? It makes me wonder. It makes me wonder. Like, I think you were about to say, where did this come from? Because I stand strongly on the saying, hurt people, hurt people. Exactly. So where did, the, where did, where did this stem from? Like, and it's not excusable. It's not excusable. But it makes me wonder where did this come from but you know when you started talking about um the job and how you you know were just keeping track of him like i know how i feel now you know with with my daughter being two i'm looking at everybody like that's probably for a long i mean it took me a while to be able to date but i had to pray about that and and i think that you know, I, I thank God that it was a blessing to send me someone who I was comfortable enough to have her around because, for one, I wasn't going to have her around too many, like, just different men. I thought about how that would be portrayed to her. And right. secondly, you, I needed to have a peace in my spirit to be able to be around my child, you know? Exactly. And that's just, that's real. Like, even when I sent it to a new school, you know, even though she may be at a Christian school or a private school, that doesn't exempt anybody. Right. Mm-mm. And, and you know, we have to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I say this all the time. I can tell you so much. We may not be able to prevent it, but all I'm saying that when it comes to you, do something about it. Say something. Because of even with my daughter, I remember one of the signs I ignored every time. Every time he would bring her home, she would go in her room, slam her door, and stay in there the whole night. And I never questioned it. Mm. Because I wrote it off as, oh, he don't promise her something again, and I'm just going to leave her alone and let her be. I shouldn't have never let her be. I should have started to go in there and ask her some questions, and maybe she would have broke sooner. Mm-hmm. Cause you know when you're getting irritated with somebody, like, "What's wrong with you? Why are you doing?" Then they'll just sometimes blurt it out. Mm-hmm. But see, I never did that. I always I would tuck my tail and go in my room and shut my door, and thinking I'm doing her a favor by not even bothering her. Mm. 
So that's one of the things I do admit to that I did wrong. I should have never wrote it off as if I knew what was going on with her. Because I didn't. I was clueless. And another thing, she every time <clears throat> she had found out she had a stepbrother later, later on in life. But every time she would go to her dad, she would never, she always wanted to make sure her brother was going. Mm. And I never knew what that was about. But I never asked. And you said that that was later on in life? Yeah, she didn't find out about her stepbrother till she was about 14. They met each other when they were 14. So during when it was happening to her, she knew they and when they met each other, it's like they became inseparable. They became twins. Right. To where he literally kind of moved into my house. And when it came out, I did confide in his mom. She was another one that said she would support me. And my main reasoning for telling her is just because your son is a boy don't mean he's exempt. Because mm-hmm. if a man is sick enough to touch his own daughter, he'll touch a boy too. And not so, even and not even touch the boy, but make them get engaged in activities. Like, I've heard stories of that. Right, exactly. So, and I'm wondering, was the boy, like, if, if she had talked to him about it before she even told you, and he had you know attempted to be her protector right now I never I thought about that too I never really asked her that and I have to take it easy with her even she's grown now living on her own but even when we were still recently living together living with her is like living in World War II like you got to walk tiptoe cause you don't know what day she gonna what, what mood she gonna be in on what day but he her brother and her don't have a relationship anymore and I don't have one with him either because it ended up being that he was keeping in contact with her because he was reporting to his dad and his dad she's not supposed to have any contact with her dad ever again he's not she's not Oh, she's not okay. Mm-hmm. So, her dad was trying to keep up with what she had going on. So he had convinced her brother into keeping in contact with her. Get you know, be friends with her on social media, and he would forward the information to his dad. Mm. So, did I'm, I'm assuming that put a damper on their relationship? Yeah, they're no longer, they no longer communicate. Neither one of us communicate with her brother anymore. Mm. And then I had to stop communicating with our friend James because I come to find out he had, he was doing James the same way. So it's just amazing how he is doing, he has so and James is the control. pastor now, right? Right. But he has so much control over these people. Still to this day, it amazes me. So I had to cut off my relationship with James because James was somebody I could confide in because 
we all grew up together we knew each other so those moments when I fall in a state of depression or confusion let me call James because James can relate because he knows him you know what I'm saying but what I was doing was giving James information for him to give to the pedophile right so when I found out I immediately um discontinued communicating with James Mm. and I had to learn that you don't have to confront people people know what they do so during my growth I never confronted James I just cut him off but sadly to say James never questioned questioned it so he knew what he was doing. He never he um, never questioned you not you cutting him off. No. Okay. He's he still he follows me on um I know my Facebook. Um so he sees what I'm doing. Like I think the, I, the question is here is why does he have the power over these people? And you know things he's done in his past that he don't want brought back up so it's like what do the pedophile know that's keeping these people under his wing exactly even down to his mom she's um she's turned against my daughter immediately his sister um, she has no contact with anybody in the family. None of them will speak to her. Her brother was the only one that stayed in contact with her. But now we found out it was for, a, you know, he had a motive for continuing contact with her. So um, I, I just never understood as to how he has this much power over people. Mm. So that's why I do what I do um, to give people a voice and also to free them of that traumatic experience. Right. If you allow it to, it'll, 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 it'll take over your life. Yeah. And give your social media again, you know, so you know, people who hear this, you know, they could contact you some kind of way or, you know, and go through your nonprofit and, you know, maybe assist. And, you know, we're definitely going to get a number to put on this uh, episode for sure uh, and contact, you know, to contact somebody to talk to if you've been through it and don't have anybody to talk to. Exactly. And I appreciate you guys again. My Instagram is now foundation that's a-n-o-w-a foundation and my facebook is under a now foundation um also my first and last name um awana love thurman and um i do have a website as well and that's foundation. again that's a-n-o-w-a and um I named it Anawa Foundation. That's my first name backwards because at one point in my life, I thought I was moving backwards. So mm. that's wow. why it's Anawa um, Foundation. And 
just to sum it up real quick um i'm recently married i thank god um for my husband um outside of me with a lot of this because he it, it can put a strain on the marriage um, for sure congratulations on that congratulations thank you and a lot of people say, why you didn't change your last name? But it's no disrespect to my husband. I appreciate him for understanding. Um, so I hyphenated my last name to Love Thurman. But I changed my last name to Love 2016. And that was when we had got called from Fulton County um, that my daughter's case from Fulton County was, fine, was found. And um, it was going to be um the indictment was accepted it was still good and it was going to go to trial so it actually gave me a sense of peace so then my daughter had talked about it for a long time because remember I met him at a very young age when I was 13 married him when I was 17 as soon as I graduated Mm. high school and so I was married to him and I carried his last name for longer than I had carried my maiden name. So that name had haunted me so and brought me so much guilt, shame. I told my daughter when I get enough money, I wanted to change my lane because I wanted to remarry myself. And my daughter, when we went to court for the second one, my daughter finally gave me her blessing. It was like, mama, it's time. I'm okay with you changing your name. And I wanted her blessing because I never wanted to offend her um, because nothing that she went through was ever her fault. Um, So she said, well, I'm going to change my last name too. I'm just going to wait till I get married. And she Mm -hmm. said, so I'm with you. It's time you change your last name. So we searched for months for a new last name for me. And we came up with love because I had experienced all of this pain and feeling unworthy, unloved for so many years. I said, I'm going to walk in my newness and anybody that come in contact with me, I want them to leave feeling love. So I'm going to introduce them to myself and who I want to be to them when I give them my name. So that's the reason why I never changed my last name. So my husband joked with me a lot about you need to change your name. I'm like, babe, I paid for this one. This is going to be on my tombstone. <laughs> so that's why I'm Love Thurman. But um, my name also was a part of my healing. Okay. Okay. Well, love, I thank you again for um, sharing your story and um, just being so transparent with us. Um, and I'm sure if we get anybody who contacts us that, you know, wants assistance with this, I'm going to send them your way. Um, and we'll have to get you on again, maybe you and your husband, because... I know y'all got some stories to tell us. Well, well we gonna have to start recording by midnight because you know he's a character, honey. So <laughs> <laughs> he's a character. But I thank you guys. And um, before we get off, I just want to publicly bless you guys' relationship. I'm so grateful um, for your love. Um, that you guys are so young, and you guys 
um, do have a blended family. So I just pray that you would take some of the things I said into stride. Um, but I pray, I pray blessings among you guys relationship and your household right now as we speak that you will be enrichly um blessed and covered from any hurt harm and danger and i'll be there with bells on at the wedding <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you, <laughs> you welcome i love you guys love you okay thank you no problem bye-bye So you guys, we just heard um, a very serious and maybe even triggering story um, from my good friend, Awana Love, but out of her tragedy, um, she was able to soar and rise up above it and, like she said, give you information about her foundation, which is Anawa. So child sexual trauma can definitely have traumatic um, triggers and experiences, feelings, and thoughts. Um, It is something that if you are dealing with it or have dealt with it or a loved one of it, it may be hard to, as she said, to say something. But it's important um, as a loved one of someone who may have dealt with this to be supportive of this, encourage them to speak their story and to get help and if you are the victim know that you're not alone know that it doesn't make you weird know that it's not uncommon and that you can speak up and feel safe about it um the number to anawa foundation is 865-233-9006 and you can uh, also you know if you heard this and you want to speak your story you want to contact us you know just send us a dm um and you know you can get on and speak your story you know that can be therapeutic for you so yeah peace and blessings <laughs>